and welcome back. Leslie's laughing because I get like, oh a, my god, ha! every it's single. It's not jazz hands. But it's it's kind of like a jazz hands. It's like jazz hands in a flash moment. Ooh, ha. Yeah, we're yeah. Back. And this is the Northern Modern Northern Podcast. Modern Podcast. <laughs> I am Matt Keevil, and this is Leslie Stokes. And we are happy to be with you once again. Uh, yeah, you're doing my like jacket thing, but I'm not <laughs> wearing a jacket. I'm wearing a vest. So, yeah, 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 good to go. So this is our episode, which we'll be running. Let's think here. I always have to figure this out. It's the 16th today, so uh, the 21st? Sure. 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 This is our episode on the 21st. We love you all. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so let's get started with our uh, our medals rundown. Lots of stuff happening. Gold kind of blew up a little bit overnight and then it fell totally off did. again. So yeah. we'll go through this. So uh, gold, yeah, we had a big run last night into this morning where we broke 1,300 an ounce, which was big news. But I would uh, point out as a metal observer that the fact it didn't hang up there very long. It didn't. Like there was some real uh, resistance to that. So we're at uh, $1,280 an ounce now. So it's down well below 13. So there was some pushback there on uh, on maybe overbuying or whatever happened. Uh, so gold's back down. I think it's lower than where we closed yesterday. So yeah. very interesting. So just watching the gold trends, it's it's... Interesting to see that there's that resistance level around 1300 where it just just can't somebody's get there. just like no way like some big somebody, yeah somebody yeah, somebody yeah, hits like the big ETF. red button yeah some ETF <laughs> China maybe we yeah. don't know but anyway so yeah. gold's back at about 1280 we briefly hit I think it was I have the numbers we'll, we'll get into it in a bit it was a multi, it was a high of some kind but I'll get into that in a sec uh, copper trucking along old copper. Still in the two dollar to two ten range. We're at about two oh five uh, dollars a pound at, at at time of recording. So it, it hasn't moved very much. I've I've heard a few good things about copper though. The, the, we'll get into this a little bit on base metals in a sec. Zinc also is kicking butt, as yes. we've discussed. Yeah. Um our editor in chief John Cumming has requested we like insert like a specialty metal every week along with our our like normal metals so we did zinc we're doing zinc i'll, I'll find we can do lead you asked about nickel last week yeah we can uh we can look at some of that stuff moving forward i haven't done it today because i was late for a meeting full disclosure we're recording a little bit late that's why i might be That's talking okay well like, some, something for everyone to look forward to yeah yeah week. we'll be doing a little bit of looking or looking this is we're diversifying terrible, our yeah, we're diversifying news. our podcast <laughs> yeah, a uh so we'll look at a couple other things zinc was like I think it was about 95 cents when I last checked. So it was doing well. And then uh, quickly touching on oil, West Texas Intermediate, uh, 46 bucks, roughly, a barrel. So that's where we are this week. Um, let me just kick in with a couple macro facts. Uh, so as we talk about, we talk about the feds every week now. Yeah. Because they're just, they're just jumping around. But they did make their official, their statement, which is now qualified as dovish yesterday. So that's why gold kicked up to about 1300 bucks. Um, apparently, as we had predicted, I believe, a few podcasts ago, the American economy is not as rosy as they had foretold. Um, so one of the things is, uh, uh, this is from Scotia. Uh, so one of the key takeaways from, from the, the federal, address, federal Open Market Committee address yesterday uh, was that only six key Fed officials expect a single rate, rate increase in 2016. So they don't like a lot of people just there might only be one this year now and that's good for gold but like we said very interesting that there was that sort of resistance ceiling t 
today. Yeah, where totally. It got booted down like Big 20 time. bucks an ounce. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, gold's over 1300 bucks. Yeah. Barrick, the Barrick stock was doing amazing. Yeah. I was <laughs> looking at it today. I was like, yeah, go Barrick, go yeah. Barrick. And then no, it's, it's, an, it's in the red now. Yeah. It's oh, fallen yeah. like oh, gold 53 Corp cents. Got, gold Corp got pretty beat on today, actually. It was, gold it, Corp, everything. Yeah. B2 yeah, Gold was It up. was interesting. It was. Uh, all down I again. guess a, a situation where where uh, the market perceived everything was a bit over people were a bit overzealous in their uh, in their buying of things so things got a little bit over ahead of themselves if if yeah. you will right um, so interesting stuff out of China we'll talk a little bit about this this has some some base metal bearings again a little bit of gold bearing as well uh, so the state council in China uh, tabled a proposal to reform the base metal industry so this is <laughs> we were talking about this like how we remember we were laughing last week we we're like they just run mines in China, even if they're not profitable. really profitable, just because <laughs> they want the metal or whatever. So, so China has th- this is what they call the One Belt One Road Initiative. So, I, I've been doing some reading on the One Belt One Road Initiative. So, what they're doing is is, is phasing out inefficient capacity, encouraging consolidation, and going abroad through this One Belt uh, One Road Initiative. So, essentially, what they're saying is, yeah, we we acknowledge that like a lot of our production is like just like subpar mines so we're like maybe get rid of those like just get rid of some of that stuff so so the read on that is that maybe china might be toning back supply a little bit on some Whoa, of the base big deal yeah so th- they but produce a lot I, i've done some subsequent reading on the the one belt one road or obor 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 oh damn obor uh <laughs> would on that this initiative as abbreviation the, or would it count or as an acronym, acronym. it's a it's, what John wrote it's an abbreviation because it's not a word but obor is kind of a word. Oh, John's going to yell at me. Now. No, I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> that's our editor. He's going to, I don't know. We had, we had a confusion between the difference between an acronym and an uh, Okay, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Next, anyway. next, next. Yeah, yeah. So, so interesting. Um, uh, they're going to be building their copper reserves, doing a bunch of stuff. So this is a new initiative from China where they're trying to eliminate these sort of marginal mines and kind of make their production more consolidated and all that kind of stuff. So interesting stuff. Um, so that's why... People are a little bit long-term and bullish on copper. We can't say short-term because it's been at like $2 for like half the year. Yeah. We briefly hit two ten, I think. So, but an interesting nonetheless. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of our macro for the week. Um, as we know, if you're paying any attention to global affairs, which I'm sure everybody who listens to this podcast is, the Brexit vote is a week today. Oh my gosh. So the it referendum feels... in Britain on whether they're going to stay in the EU Happens next Thursday, I believe. Wait. Yes. It's on the 23rd. Big deal. It's on the 23rd. So that's a yeah. week today. Um, so the big deal, it's interesting. Uh, some of the pollsters who I put absolutely no faith in after some of the cluster situations we've had in Canada recently with the the Wild Rose thing in, in Alberta and the NDP thing in uh, BC where the pollsters have just been, I don't know, they got to get their science better. Their science is failing for some reason. But anyway, so the... Uh, the pollsters in Britain seem to think that leaving the EU is lead, is might win. So that would have that's why the Fed said at their statement they're like, well, we got to wait for this to happen. Yeah, that exactly. Has massive yeah. global consequences, right? I wonder and how high would gold go? You know, it, I don't know. I don't could, know. I told you, like full disclosure, it'll I, definitely break thirteen hundred. There's no uh, red button to close that down. No, it's very happened. interesting though. I mean, I mean the economic repercussions of britain leaving the eu and, and we're getting a little bit off our our stated mantra here of it's mining true, yeah. but uh, <laughs> there it's a relative unknown like it, it, nobody like you can speculate all you want but this is an unprecedented event really 
Like you, like you had the Quebec referendum and that didn't really go over. Right. Um, so you, it's, you haven't had someone essentially vacate an economic union like this, you know, in modern history. So it's generally an unknown. So, so we can speculate, but we don't know. Let's just wait till next week. Then. Well, the other, the funny issue, if you want to get into the sociopolitics <laughs> of it is, is Scotland. Yeah. Which is also always talking about its own independence referendum says they, they would really, really rather prefer to stay in the EU. So what happens if, if the Brexit vote goes positive and Scotland's like, well, no, we want to stay. And the EU is like, oh, gosh, uh, oh, who knows? That's an interesting negotiation. So the, the, my opinion on this is that they won't leave because that would just be weird. Well, I guess they might. Maybe like the but, next period people yeah. to leave is Newfoundland from Canada. I don't. Pff, Create what? the country of Newfoundland again. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Prime Minister Leslie Stokes would like to address the nation of Newfoundland. <laughs> Imagine yeah, yeah, we'll the run possibilities. The Newfoundland podcast. Okay, yeah. All right. Let, let's oh, okay, so let's, let's plow on here. We're, we're aiming for a, um, a, a very lean experience this week because, well, well we're, mostly we're because Matt is, is over time, like terribly over time. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, we're trying to tighten it up, tighten it up, <laughs> do some extra squats. Um, so, so we're going to go turned on today. Oh no. Um, so we'll start with Leslie's got some stuff on Belmoral. I want to briefly touch on what happened with Sabina gold and the back river property and none of it yesterday, which was just, uh, kind of out of the blue for me. I don't know if uh, apparently according to the market reaction to their stock, it also surprised a lot of other people. Right. And then I'll also dig into some, why you should read company filings. This is a, a lesson if you will. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit, but let's start with Leslie's Balmoral interview. She talked to Darren, the president and CEO. Yes. And I'm sure people are mostly familiar with Balmoral. They've been doing some cool stuff the last few years. They have the grass at nickel PGM discovery and the yes. Bug Lake gold thing, but mostly we'll be talking about Bug Lake. I think. Yeah. Cause they've got 20,000 meters that they're going to be drilling out there this year. So they're going to be getting some good news probably coming through the news wire. So keep your eye open for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I got to chatting with Darren and he was mentioning to me about, you know, a lot of the upside that the property that they have does actually have. Um, and this host. is close to Detour Lake, right? Along the same sort of. It's 45 kilometers okay. east of Detour lakes detour but like gold you deposit. were telling me earlier those belt the big mm-hmm. kind of greenstone belts I want yeah, to yeah so it's right along strike it's basically like the most most of the deposits in abitibi are kind of focused along or adjacent to those like major crustal sutures like these huge anismosing like shear zones yeah and so a detour lake uh, the detour gold deposit is hosted off the flanks of one of these big regional guys and that falls basically shabam right into Belmoral's property. Okay. And there's like multiple multiple structures um, kind of running through that property. And and the cool thing I found with Belmoral that I really wanted to kind of give them a shout out for is that they're like true blue discoverers. Yeah, they're you know? they're total explorers. Yeah. They're yeah. total explorers. Strong geo geo geological science guys and all. Right. That kind of stuff. They're really yeah. clever. I yeah. mean, they only found gold um, Bug Lake when they were exploring for the West Trend. That's right. Um, yeah. Deposit, which is basically this weird northeast arcing shear zone, right? Yeah. And they're like drilling that away, and then all of a sudden they tagged into the Bug Lake, which is a north-south trending shear structure hosted like along the flanks of this dike. Okay. And so it's totally different. Or I put up a picture on the website with the article, and and just take a look at that because it's the weirdest orientation ever. And to me, in my head, I look at that and I say, well. 
do they really understand structurally what's going on with the deposits? And yeah. the answer, of course, is no, because it's new. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you don't really understand the structural geology of a sheer hosted gold deposit, well, guess what? You know, that can really work in your favor. Exactly. And so yeah. they've got 20,000 meters that they're punching into that thing, um, specifically on Bug Lake. Now, now, is the stated sort of goal an updated resource, or is that...? It's going towards it, but they've okay. got so much more drilling they have to do. Because yeah, yeah. uh, um, Darren was mentioning how he envisions there's going to be a couple of starter open pits okay. along the like, basically the first half of this 1.8-kilometer-long mineralized trend that's still open-ended. Okay. And then uh, maybe going into like more of an underground resource. Oh, okay. So... Because it's got a dip to it then, obviously. Well, yeah, it's like a shear structure, so yeah. it's dipping. So they've yeah. got this broad envelope of lower-grade mineralization, and then it's like this really tight... You know the tight, the ab tight sort <laughs> <Extra> of, <laughs> yeah, extra extra squatted sort of there gold beneath, and so that's kind of what they're looking at working up. But because it's such a long structure, um, it's like one. They're, they're looking at getting a 1.2 kilometer long, 500 meter to depth block for the maiden resource. I see. Okay. And they've got heaps more drilling to do, which means he says probably by 2017, sometime they might be able to come up with something. Yeah. So if okay. the markets cooperate, but they're wow. super cashed up. Like yeah, it's they hilarious. just raised a, a boatload. Of, I saw they they open a six million dollar financing yesterday flow through uh yeah right? they've or got recently relatively recently yeah it's like <clears throat> gosh how much do they have now so yeah they just like um is expecting to close a private placement six million dollars yeah. at the end of june yeah it's all flow through dollars yeah. yeah and then the other thing they got 7.7 .7 million in existing work capital so and then our, they've got 3.4 million coming from a pending sale of yeah. discovery zone yeah from that's, Walbridge. Right. that's right that's right so these guys are like cha-ching yeah for, and for, they're for just our ready listeners, for it that flow through has to be spent so that's going to the bit that's, that's going to the bit. Of the bit yeah, yeah. so yeah. anyway cool stuff so expect yeah. really good news out of Balmoral, Do they I talk about grass at all, or is that kind of on the back burner? Because he gold said is kind that, of hot yeah, right yeah, he says nickel. Um, there's no point in really kind of doing more work because he, yeah. they don't see it really creating any value for shareholders right Fair now. Fair enough. Fair enough. But they did gold release that maiden resource, um, yep. and of course, this is like again a true blue greenfield sort of discovery. discovery. Yeah. And so they they just tabled the resource like a couple of months ago. And check out the article online um, for the numbers. But yeah, so super good. Um, deposit there still open ended, but he says he's just gonna chill, put it on the shelf for a little while, yeah. and focus on gold. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Right. Um, and that's interesting. I mean, uh, how everybody's sort of focusing on gold now. <laughs> it's like if you have like if you're a little bit uh, diverse in your selection of metals, you're like, hey, do we have a gold thing in there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's drill it right now. Mm -hmm. Go raise some money. You can raise money as evident. By evidenced by the six million they are raising and flow through to drill that. True story, right? And and we're seeing that a lot in Quebec and Ontario due to the flow through structures and stuff like that. A lot of big money is being raised. I this is just a side note. We won't get into this in too much depth. But I just talked to John Brzezinski from now a Cisco Mining. We talked about right. This is actually the two year anniversary today of the completion of the deal where Cisco Mining was taken out by Yamana and Agnico Eagle. So they were so they changed their name back to a Cisco Mining at their AGM last week. And he was just telling me, this is just a little, a funny, I'm going to do a really in-depth article on this, but this is just a funny little side anecdote. He was saying there was a, uh, an article in a French newspaper when they got taken out by uh, Yaman on Agnico, and it said, a Cisco c'est fini, which means it's all over for a Cisco. So he hung that newspaper clipping on his wall, and he's like, today I'm going to rip it up. And he's <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's that's awesome. awesome, John. So, so that, that was just a, but, but he was telling me that they, they drilled 
uh, 90,000 meters to get to the new resource at their Marban project, which Crazy. is right in between gold so at, uh, Agnico's Gold X Mine and, and the Canadian Malarctic operation. And that just show, goes to show how much meterage you need to to drill in these kind of deposits just to For get sure. anywhere, right? So it is it is capitally intensive, and that's one of the reasons that Quebec and Ontario have the flow-through structure they do because they understand how much explorers have to drill to make these True discoveries, story, yeah. right? So, mm. Interesting stuff. So uh, I'm going to briefly touch on, this was sort of big news. This came out last night and tanked a stock, so that's why we're talking about it. So Sabina Gold and Silver, uh, I, <laughs> I actually really like this project, which is, it's a shame. This is a shame. Um, so they have the Back River project in none of it. And uh, the NIRB, which is sort of the uh, the um, their review board, the Environmental Review Board, um, and uh, they made a recommendation to the Minister of Indigenous and Northern Affairs, basically saying they should not, the project shouldn't be permitted. Ooh. So they pretty pretty much got shot down. And the main reason was the one thing I have heard uh, the one big issue is caribou herds. Is it? Okay. And there's there's a regional caribou herd, and I, I was doing a bit of back research on this, and it it has been parred down quite a bit. So I can see why there's concern about the caribou herds up there, mm-hmm. which is something, uh, listening to the Sabina conference call this morning, they, they, they think can be addressed basically. Like it can be, it can be dealt with, um, in terms of mine planning. Um, the other issue was climate change. And I was like, it was like, not that Ooh. big of mine. I was like, you could uh, climate change. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that's a huge issue, especially like way up North. Like what's, what's the deal with the climate change? Why? Well, just, just, you know, they just climate say that change. They, they just said no because climate change. Well, I guess you know the there's obviously they're off the grid up there. They're probably running it off diesel. I, I haven't actually looked at the mine plan, but I assume running it off diesel, not LNG. They could possibly run it off LNG, but uh, oh my god, climate change is a big issue. So you don't want them running this. I don't. Know. Listen, I've got to. I've got to. We know about, about it. Yeah. Before, before I start flipping over tables. Yeah, here, yeah. I'm gonna, we I'm we, we don't talk about climate change on this show. Mm. It's sort of no, outside it's fine, of our. But like, yeah, it, it's outside of our uh, our mandate. Um, so. Well, not really, but what are you going to do? But anyways, I found it as an interesting thing to cite for like a relatively small mine that's not going to be burning that much. The carbon footprint can't be extremely large. No, there's, there's <laughs> like, got to be another reason. Maybe I, it's like yeah, the permafrost is Yeah, I'd have and... to read. It's a 300-page decision. Oh, okay. Which I've got to read. Um, but this was sort of the... Oh, <laughs> well, this is like I was getting the, the analyst notes coming in on this. Right. Um, and so the analysts are always super optimistic. So one thing I'll say about like finance, like analysts who are for banks is like mm, I'll take what they say about sociopolitical issues with a grain of salt because they're really good at like breaking down mineral deposits in mine. And they're like, oh well, this will only set Sabina back eight to ten months, and I'm like, mm, maybe a bit more. But if you own a lot of the stock and it went from about a buck seventy to about a dollar or whatever it's at now. I could see you wanting to be a little rosier yeah. on that estimation. <laughs> but anyway, so so I'll be looking into that and doing a big uh, big piece on that. We'll dig into the decision, try to figure out what, what happened there. And also, interestingly enough, like it's a very, we were talking, I was talking about this at lunch today. Uh, as with a lot of many parts of Canada, it's very uh, geographically specific where these issues arise, right? Because uh, TMAC Resources, Hope Bay thing, also in none of it recently, was permitted, no problems, gold operation. But but this one, due to the uh, sensitivity of the caribou there, which I think is the overwhelming it's probably issue. Long the time. climate change thing, I think, was just tacked on there. Because like, if you're going to shoot down any sort of natural resource project, just tack on climate change as a reason, and people be like, oh yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Like, what, what, what are you going to do? You can't do that. Climate change. Yeah. So anyway, so that happened. Um, <laughs> So uh, we'll be looking at that in, in greater depth. It's, 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 it's not great news for the company or the jurisdiction, really. But to be fair, 
it might just be a question of rejigging your mind plan, a little bit extra negotiation. We don't know the details of what actually happened in boots on the ground. So, um, but it definitely had a market impact, a noted market mm-hmm. impact. Um, so yeah, so breaking into the next thing, uh, I was going to do my little why you should read filings. Yeah, Liz, I want to hear this. Why you should read filings. So uh, as per usual, I'm like, whenever there's like a transaction, I'm like, whenever the management circular comes out, I just read it because they have to like disclose everything, right? Mm-hmm. So the Kamenak Gold Corp filing came out, uh, I think on Wednesday or Tuesday, uh, June 13th. Or, uh, anyways, I'm so bad with dates. Anyway, <laughs> came out earlier this week um, and I was reading through it. And, and one of the interesting things that popped to me was that it was a multiple bid situation. There was at least two bids and a third party was going to submit a bid. So Gold Corp was in had to increase their offer to get it because, you know, that's not something you'd ever report in a news release or anything. But you're reading the circular, you're like, oh, there's actually two other companies that were going to put bids in for coffee for the project in the Yukon, right? So I was reading this thing. So it's interesting just to kind of run down. And it gives you a little bit of insight into how mergers and acquisitions happen, how bid, the bidding process, stuff like that, right? So, so um, it, what happened initially, let's just set out a timeline here. Kamenak put out the new feasibility on coffee in January. It looked pretty good. Had a high internal rate of return, nice economics, um, a fairly reasonable capex. Um, so then in March, a company, this is the first company, first unnamed company, because in these circulars, they don't like name anyone. Right. right? Oh, and they, nobody will name them until after the deal closes with Gold Corp, probably. Um, but we'll speculate after I finish this. Okay. I have some guesses on who it was. Um, so in March, uh, a company, the first company, informally approached Kamenak to express interest in a, in a transaction. Um, and then in, in April, about the 14th, Gold Corp sent a letter. To, Gold Corp just sends you a letter. They're like, we want to buy your property. From Gold Corp. Yeah. And so they got a letter from Gold Corp and it was like they had strong interest in pursuing a transaction. Um, and then uh, Kamenak uh, was like, oh, well, Gold Corp, your terms aren't very like good enough. Like we, we don't we're, like the, what happens is you could enter into exclusive negotiations with someone. So it, but Kamenak opted not to do that because they didn't like the terms of Gold Corp's offer as much. So they said, come back to us with another offer because we have two other companies. Uh, that's probably what they said. I mean, that wasn't disclosed, but that's what I would say. And so they were like, we have two other companies interested in buying this thing, so you have to sweeten your deal, right? Um, so then a third company came <laughs> while Gold Corp was rethinking what they wanted to offer and went up to a site visit and looked at the property and was going to table a table an offer as well, right? So then Gold Corp, on May 6th, this happened in early May, the other company went up, the third company, so now we're at three, went up to look at coffee, went to the site, toured around, looked at the core, all that stuff, right? So then on May 6th, Gold Corp received two proposals, which we didn't hear about, really. One, The one, the Gold Corp one, they ended up uh, accepting, which was about 500 million Canadian. And then a second proposal from an unnamed party who they didn't end up going with, right? And so Gold Corp had to boost their per share offer to about 270 a share. So we don't know what they offered initially, but obviously they had to increase it just to get the deal done, right? That was mm-hmm. one of the conditions Kamenak had. So the big questions we have are who... Else was bidding on coffee, which this is all interesting, right? Because reading these corporate filings, like nobody really talks about this. So it's like, well, there was a bunch of people slanging offers around up there, and Gold Corp was in a multiple offer situation, which is always interesting, right? So who might it be? Well, I've got some guesses. Who do you think? Well, we talked about previously uh, the Globe and Mail report that Centera uh, and Kinross are thinking of bidding on Mount Milligan. And I know for a fact Centera is hard after something in Canada. So I'm going to guess one of them was Centera. Now, everybody, there's no source here. This is Matt. Based on the information he knows, <laughs> guessing. 
Uh, Ken Ross is an interesting one. It could have been. They own the the white gold property directly. Like you can see the white gold property from Kamenak's camp, and Ken Ross owns it right they across the Yukon River. Mouth in that but yeah, and I don't know if they could justify paying whatever they what did they pay for Underworld? I can't remember. It was it was not that much, but doing it all over again after they just kind of. Blue, yeah. blue just totally screwed it up before. So I don't know if it was them. The other company that we always talk about is El Dorado. And El Dorado just sold all their Chinese stuff, have a bunch of cash. That's true. Good um, one. And is involved with Integra, right? Mm. Has uh, mostly an underground miner, though. So what we're looking at here is an open pit. That's why Centera does make sense to be the most. The third company, I'm not sure on. Heath Leachable, too. Yeah, there could have been a few. So, But Ken Ross runs the Fort Knox mine in Alaska, right? So they, they know cold weather heat leach. Probably nobody knows it as nearly as well as Ken right, Ross. Right, okay. Um, so those are the three I'd guess. Those would be my guesses. So, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure on Sentara. Like <laughs> if I had to take some money out on it, that's the one I would, I would take. So that's the, that's the one I would take. Um, so we have an interesting segment today. Right. This is a new one. Last week we introduced Storytime story with, with Leslie. Leslie and Matt, because Matt tells stories too. Yes, he does. Um, and this week we're introducing what is essentially, what is the top five? Yeah, well, I've got the top Ten? Because Top because it's ten? the field season and everyone's out there working away, I figured it would be really exciting to have two. a top seven. Okay, seven. That's a random number, but okay. we'll go with it. So we have random. a top seven. We have a top seven list of the worst food geologists have eaten in field. In camps. the field. And this does I'm not a geologist, but I've eaten bad field food. So this all you all you analysts and uh, and uh, non geologists at site. You've probably eaten terrible stuff as well. But this <laughs> yeah. is from from our geologist, geologist friends who uh, submitted a, a talk. So this is in order of disgusting? This is this is uh, generally. Gen- it, it, so, okay. ends, it ends on the worst and okay. most disgusting one. Okay, so it's, 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 it goes from, from most tolerable to least tolerable. Kind of. It okay. depends, depends on what your tastes are. Okay, so everybody else here. <laughs> we're going to be doing a few more of these. So if you have any, we'll, we'll let you know what we're going to do. I'm going to try to get the best pranks. The best, pr- the best field, camp pranks. Camps, I have yeah. a good one for that. Okay, you're going to have to give it to um, me. But uh, yeah, so we have these. So this is, is, this, this is globally, I assume. Just this is, yeah, well, it's uh, basically... Yeah, I got it from a bunch of geos. We got yeah. Joanna Hodge, okay. good friend of mine. Actually. Oh, you're gonna drop the names? Okay. Yeah, totally nice. gonna drop the names. All right. All right. She ate honey ants and birdie grubs during an Aboriginal cultural awareness training course, of course, in Australia. Yeah, I ate that. I ate grubs. She said that the ants were very tasty, yeah. but the grub, well, it was overcooked. How do you? I ate them raw. Go See, figure. When I ate them, That's they were disgusting. raw, like kind of mm. like. Still wriggling. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was all right. Okay. It was at an interesting consistency. <laughs> Annie Peril. She's an oil geologist. Oh. She had deep fried toast on a rig in the North Sea. Deep fried toast. Yeah. She said it I've looked like regular toast until she actually had a bite and it was disgusting. Um, Stephanie Robinson. This is actually my personal favorite. She yeah. ate iceberg lettuce. Iceberg lettuce? That's not that bad. She's a vegetarian, which is basically a death sentence in a Canadian field camp. Does everyone hate iceberg lettuce? <laughs> well, What's wrong with iceberg lettuce? It's just kind of sad. That's it's that all. like it's that like really maybe it's thick not dis- head of like sandwich lettuce. Maybe in the it's not so right? disgusting, especially with mayonnaise and bread. But like I'm not uh, gonna lie, I, I like romaine lettuce. It's one of those. It's one of those meals that you have in camp where you just actually start to Shed cry. A lettuce sandwich. I've seen people cry. Vegetarians yeah, you cry told in camp. Tell so the story sad. about the ham. No. 
Tell my, I had I had a vegetarian um, like geologist who worked with me with Freeport back in the day, and she literally never ate anything because the camp cook kept on making everything with meat. And we got back from a really hard day in the field, and she sat there and she went to go get herself delicious salad that was prepared, and she found little chunks of ham cut into it. And she sat there and she started to cry. Because then you have to pick all that ham. She up. cried. Yeah. yeah, she didn't eat anyway. Okay, yeah. so next one, Paul Geddes from Barkerville. He told me oh. that he had, I thought this one was just neat, boiled caribou in Bathurst Inlet in 1998. Caribou's good. Have you had caribou? Yeah. Any caribou's kind of venison, amazing. I'm a fan. I know. I'm a fan. As but long maybe as the cooked. boiled kind of ruined it or something? Broiled. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you don't want to broil that. Or boil, yeah, it's just water. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to boil any meat. It's no, it's choice. worse. Yeah, yeah. That's like very 1950s. <laughs> yeah. Not cool anymore. So Allison Brand, she was in a Yukon fly camp. So she was mobilizing in late during the evening during a massive rainstorm. Her and her crew were way too tired and soaked to cook after setting up the tent. So they ended up just passing around a brick of cheese and everyone gnawed <laughs> off on it communally. She said it was the worst ever. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is actually my favorite. Shauna White, she said that she made a stir fry one night and it looked so delicious until a storm came in, blew sand all over it. And instead of making another one, for some reason, they decided to put it in a mesh bag and wash it in the lake. Wow. <laughs> and, wow. and they ate it. And she said it was not delicious it at went, all. Well, it would, think, about, think about the result of that. I know. Like, like that, that would just not be. It's soggy food. It's soggy food. It's just like you wash stir fry. Anyway, God love her. That's In like so a funny. Gold pan? Like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> panning for stir fry? Yeah. That'll happen. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, this is the worst one. This is the last one, everyone. Zach Flood. He was in a camp in Argentina. Ooh, ooh. Okay, and he was served goat brain and a goat skull. And he yes. said Indiana it tasted... Jones. Indi- Did oh, he have God. a freaking awesome fedora on when it happened? It gets worse. Oh. He said it tasted like goat, but the texture was more like yogurt. The brain? I've had monkey brains. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was it tasted it? It was did it have like an interesting. Yogurt? It's very yeah. It was very. Uh, but I think that's because they pureed it and then put it back. Oh God. And I like can't flavored even. it with some stuff. <laughs> oh, it was alright. Like I've done a lot of really like the one. This will will remain. The company we're in is. I went on a site visit and I actually saw a goat get sacrificed by uh, a local indigenous tribe. Where? No way. This was in in Madagascar, and uh, and it was interesting. Then we ate it, but it was fine. I like goat. Have you ever had goat curry? <laughs> solid, solid. Like the goat curry. But anyway, yeah, it was like burn the blood <laughs> bowl. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And they're like, yeah, that's that's part of the deal with the the local uh, communities. The company provided a goat a month. As part of the the uh, payments for the oh my god, it was interesting. I mean, when you get into social licensing in in very far off, far flung corners of the world, uh, it's it's wild, right? Oh my god! And and I've seen like situations where companies have put up cell towers in like very remote parts of 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 Africa or, or wherever, and and a large portion of the population is still nomadic, and all of a sudden like a a village pops up around. The mining or the exploration camp because it's the only place you can get a cell signal for like oh. hundreds of, if not thousands cool. of kilometers. So they come and people plug in their cell phones and can get cell phone coverage there. And suddenly they're not nomadic anymore and they're oh. living. Oh yeah, they're not Very going towards the water sources. They're just yeah. going towards and Wi-Fi. Cra- like some crazy stuff. Like there was like interesting. Actually, I don't even know how she tells. But you may as well. You can always like, cut it out. Yeah, there was like uh, <laughs> in one. I can't remember where I was. It was maybe. 
can't remember. Ivory Coast. I can't remember where this was. Um, so forgive me if this is culturally inaccurate uh, because <laughs> I can't remember where exactly I was in Africa. But there was uh, a nomadic population and they were like, they were uh, hunter-gatherers and et cetera, et cetera. But like they were like ninjas. Like they were like, we'd be driving across and it would be, it's like the savannah, right? So it's flat. Like there's nothing, like there's very little bush. There's like nowhere to hide and you'd look one way and there'd be nothing there and then you look back and there'd be this guy standing there and i'd be like where did that guy come from and they're like yeah they, he's like oh they lie the my guy at the time was like oh they because it's so hot they lie under like low-lying bush to get whatever shades possible and i'm like that's just crazy because like the guy's like flipping it out i was like what he flip through the air like come on like a spear and i was like that's crazy so anyway it was very cool though very cool very um Awesome people. There was like this really wicked choir when I went down to Africa one time. If you ever get a chance to see the the vocalists in Africa, are just freaking phenomenal. Really cool stuff. Anyway, so so <laughs> that wraps up, I guess, our our top seven list. What was it? The monkey brains is good. That's a good. That's good. I've done or the not monkey goat brains. Goat the goat brains. brains. In many in many cultures, goat brains are a delicate delicate. I bet you. Yeah, yeah, it sounds very delicate if it has a texture well, like. Well, if yogurt. you ever get to go Ugh, to can't even. Mainland China too. Right. Uh, China is very diverse in terms of cuisine and culture because of True. how large it is and how big a landmass it is. So the the Sichuan food, everybody knows Sichuan food. We get that a lot over here, like in Chengdu and and in Sichuan province, the food is phenomenal. Like you get really good hot pots and stuff. <laughs> but the the food up and around Beijing and like northern China is like, I don't know how to describe it. Like a lot more bland. Like it's like not quite as not as good so it, it really d- differentiates and then uh, if you ever get a chance go to ch- uh Tsingdao, which is the beer they have a beer festival they are phenomenal anyway this, this is matt's travel corner welcome <laughs> to matt's travel corner this is this is a new segment as well yeah no. um so yeah so we're gonna gonna cut it a little short here because we're running low on time but but uh thank you again for joining us uh and have a great week this has been the northern minor podcast i'm matt keel i'm leslie stokes have a good one